Hi there, thank you for coming back to another episode of Maverick Messages. My name is Chloe and I am a senior here at Providence Baptist College. Listen closely and allow God to use this chapel message to speak to your heart. Luke chapter 17. Uh, When you get there, look down at verse number 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, in other words, that's what the servant's out there doing, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye. When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Father in heaven, thank you for the fun we can have. Thank you now, Lord, for your word. Pray that you bless it to our hearing today. Fill both speaker and listener with your spirit and the power of God in our time in chapel. That our hearts will be challenged through Christ and his word and his spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. It is a joy to serve God and then see him make our efforts fruitful. Right? I mean, you know, you're young as far as ministry goes, but, you know, you go bus visiting, and you sign up a family, and they come, and they get saved, or you invite your coworkers, and they come, and they get saved, or get involved in some ministry at the church and with children and others. It's just a blessing to see Brother Hall and I were talking about our years together at Marion Avenue before we came in here. Marion Avenue just celebrated their 50th anniversary. and I was there for 10 years. He and his family were there for four. And we had the privilege of serving together there on the platform for four years. And uh, we're both involved in the salvation and discipleship of a man today who 30, uh, let's see, 86 to what is it, 23, what is that? That's a long time, ain't it? Uh, he's still serving God today. Teaches in Sunday school down at uh, Brother Dave Bragg's church in Missouri. Has a PhD in chemistry at the University of Iowa. And God met us by his door where he got saved. And Brother Hall was at ROTC there and lived in Iowa City. And started hauling into church and really was the one. Brother Hall's kids were the ones that really put their hooks into him. And, you know, even though I had the privilege of winning into Christ, Brother Hall his family is the reason he's in the church today and he acknowledged both of us in his video testimony that they played at the 50th anniversary celebration he acknowledged us and you know it's it's the it, same thing has already happened to you to a degree you've seen god bless some of your efforts and um you know the, it, it's a bless it's a wonder it's a joy to see him bless the efforts a couple of a couple of things can happen if you're not careful Kind of get the big head, like uh, you know, it's me. It's because of what I do here, blah blah blah, and that's nonsense. Okay, and then if we're not careful, sometimes we turn those things into uh, kind of putting God on the spot for answering our prayer request. Now, God, you know I'm unfaithful. You know I read my Bible every day. You know I tithe. You know, I work hard on my bus truck. You know, I try to 
read the hearts of those kids. You know, God, I've got you. People, God doesn't owe us anything. Got that? I heard a story one time a preacher was saying, man, one time I was preaching. He said, one time I was at the altar. He said, I wasn't preaching. He said, they went in a preaching service. And he said, the preaching touched my heart. And I went to the altar. And uh, we were, you know, at the altar, man, we're begging God. And he said, I was kneeling and praying and asking God for things that I needed. And, 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 and I heard the man next to me saying, oh, God, please give me what I deserve. Give me what I deserve. He said, I got up and moved away. I was afraid a lightning bolt from heaven would strike him and send him to hell at that moment. And uh, really, that's not too far from the truth. That's really not all we deserve. So Jesus, in verse 7, begins a story about servants. We read that just a moment ago. I'm not going to back and reread every line of it. So the man has a servant who's working in the field. And he comes in from working in the field, and the man does not say, hey, go help yourself. Well, first of all, there's nothing to help yourself to. Because not only is the man hired to work in the field, he's also hired to cook the meal. And so the man, the master, is sitting in the chair and saying, hey, how long do you think it'll be till the food's ready? And so the servant who's been working in the field all day with the cattle and so forth, he comes in and washes his hands real good. He begins to prepare the meal. He puts the meal on the table, and they all eat. And, and when it's all done, he doesn't even get an attaboy. He doesn't get a pat on the back. He doesn't get a... He is not. Look, just because the servant had been working in the field all day long did not exempt him from preparing the meal. He's hired to do both, and in doing both, he has just done what was expected of him. Get it? That's all he's done. Only what was expected. So Jesus tells his disciples, fellows, be sure to have the right attitude about yourself as a servant of God. After you have done everything that you were commanded to do, everything you were commanded to do, you need to think of yourselves as unprofitable servants. Because you've only done what you were commanded to do. Now, what God is not saying, what Jesus is not teaching here, he's not teaching that his servants are worthless. He is saying, in our service to God, we are unprofitable. Now, don't take that as an insult. Think it over. Webster's 1828 defines unprofitable. Listen, listen. Producing no gain beyond the labor expenses and interest of capital. Let me read that again. Producing no gain beyond the labor expenses and interest of capital. Illustration. Any guy in our church that owns a music store. In his music store, along with his selling product, he builds violins. He builds them. Scratch. Now, here's a violin that he builds. 
You think of all that went into this violin that he built. The wood, the material, the strings, the, the time, the store or the shop where he did the work, the equipment, the utilities to keep the lights on and the heat and the air conditioning and the insurances. And then if he has to ship it and all the capital investment, the labor and expenses and interest of capital. Let's say he has 500, if he, he calculates it all, oh, took this much time, I divide my utility cost by this much time, I divide my insurance by this much time, I divide my mortgage payment by this much time, and here's my labor per hours, and this is how much the wood cost, and this is how much the strings and the neck and everything cost, and here it is, and I've got $500 invested in this violin. If he cannot sell that violin for $500, and one cent. It's an unprofitable instrument. Because if all he gets out of it is $500, all he has, all he has is the labor expenses and interest of capital. It has produced no gain over what he had to put into it to create it. Are you, are you thinking with me this morning? Got it? He has to be able to receive from it more than it cost him to make it for there to be a profit. So question, what did it cost God to make us? Not just create us. What did it cost God to make us his? What did it cost God to buy us back from the prince of darkness who we belong to before God saved us? What did it cost God to make us his child? I think we know that answer, right? Great price of our pardon, his own precious son, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Knowing what it cost God to make us his own, to make us fit to serve him, can any of us ever be worth more than what God invested in us? Come on. What can I do? What can you do? What can we all combined together do that will make any of us and all of us worth more than what God paid to make us his? That discrepancy can never be balanced. It just will never even out, much less be gained to God. And this is the attitude Jesus taught us as God's servant, servants to possess. If we don't get an attaboy, okay. If we don't get a pat on the back, 
Okay, if we don't get a thumbs up, great job. We should never expect an attaboy. We should never think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think because we'll never return to God what he invested in us. What I gave my life. He gave his son's blood. Reaching kids, teaching kids, witnessing for Christ, handing out Bibles, living a consecrated life, being faithful, having good devotions, sincere devotions every morning, being right in our relationships. All of these things are wonderful traits to possess in the Christian life as God's people. But to think that we are special or worthy or of some honor or some special treatment or unusual recognition or God, give me this because look what I do for you. I've been, every, I've been to church every time the doors are open the last six months. <laughs> no, we're just doing what is expected of us, and there's no way we can bring God to God more than he has brought to us. I've got eternal life in heaven. I don't have to worry about the fires of an eternal hell one second. So, now, does this mean then that we just throw up our hands and have the attitude, well, you know, since I can never bring to God a, a profit based on what it cost him to save me, why should I try to do anything for him? Should we have that attitude? We said, Brother Angel, then if we can't bring to God more than what he's brought to us and what we do is just what's expected and commanded. Is there anything in it? Yeah, there is. And we're not going to turn to it, but I take you to the parable in Matthew 25 of the servants and the talents. Remember that parable? Remember the one man, he comes through, the certain man he comes through and he gives to each of his, he gives to his servants according to their several ability and he gives the first guy what? Five. Gives the second guy two. Gives the third guy one. Remember that story? Then he goes on a long journey. They have no idea when he's going to return. And when he does come, the one servant that had five, now he's got ten. The one servant that had two, now he's got four. Yeah, but that was just, that's just, they're unprofitable. They just what they were expected to do. Yes. But they got something from the lips of their master. You know what it was? Well done. Well. You and I can never be worth more than what it costs God to save us, but we should show our gratitude by serving him with all of our hearts and use the abilities that he's given us to live for him, and the reward will be well done. That's enough. That's all we what is that such a big deal? Well, 
How about the servant that received the one talent and buried it? You wicked. And all these other things. And I forget all exactly what he says, but he might have said even there, you wicked, slothful servant. Man, he got, he got nailed. You wicked, you, you slothful. Those are the unprofitable, the adjectives used to describe him not deserving of even a well done. Look, I don't know what you want, but I'd much rather hear a well done than a shame on you. Much rather. You really blew it. The attitude of I'm not going to serve God because I can never be profitable to him is a, is attitude that's a horrible spirit, horrible attitude. A saved person will have the attitude of even though I will be an unprofitable servant, just doing what I'm commanded to do, never able to be worth more to God than what it cost God to save me, I'm going to do my best to serve him with what he has given me and to hear him say someday, well done. That's all I need. We read the Bible like it's a fairy tale. But I truly believe that we will hear, or we could hear, that well done. So I really believe that. Well done. Well done. And at that place and in that time, when we are looking into the face of the one that has some thorn marks in his brow and some wounds in his hands and wounds in his feet that were placed there by the thorns and the nails that he took for us. When we see that, that well done will mean Everything. Everything. All we can be in light of what it cost God to save our soul from hell is an unprofitable servant. Don't allow yourself to think of yourself more highly Come on, come on, come on, come on. We're all flesh. You know what's in all of our hearts? Pride. Do not tell me. Do not tell me that be it a bus route or a Sunday school class or a sermon or a song. Do not tell me Temptation is not in you and me. Every year, for how many years we have had? Yeah. Oh, wow, it's early. Every year, for how many years we've had a Christmas evangelist at our church on the first Sunday of, or second Sunday of December, either one. Bring an evangelist. Usually, evangelists don't have a lot of meetings at Christmas time. And years ago, I challenged the church, look, treat this, treat this brother 
like one of your family members. You know, don't just throw a $5 bill on the plate for the love offering. Plan, pray. Treat him like a, an honored friend or a family member. And the people have bought into that and they bought into it. And now in one Sunday, our offerings for that man are usually what they would get in one month. And we do that on purpose. And they always are so thankful, so, so grateful. One year, I had evangelist Jim Brown. He's in heaven now. Died while he was hunting on Brother Coral's property, Pennsylvania. They were inside, came in for lunch. He never came in, never came in. Brother Coral put Christy in the four-wheeler and drove out to where, and as they drove up to where he was hunting in the snow, they could see his orange vest. He had gotten down, coming in, had a massive widow maker, died. But just so I had him preach before he died. And uh, we're sitting there. He was sitting in, the, in, in a pew on the Sunday night. And I was just walking around before the service, greeting people, saying hello. The music was playing. And I walked over to him and said, Brother Brown, looking forward to the message tonight. And he, he said, I, he said, thank you for inviting me. And he said, is this your, is this your, are these your people? Is this your crowd? I said, and I looked around, we didn't have any visitors, the place was full. I said, yes, sir. And he said, wow. And in, in the pride of my heart, I said, you know, Brother Brown, we have a strong church. And as soon as I said that, it was like the Spirit of God said, really? Really? And in the next 18 months, I had four couples divorce. Not a one of them had been married less than 20 years. One had been married between 20 and 25. Two had been married between 25 and 30. One had been married over 30 years. I'm talking about workers, givers. Yeah, how strong is that, big shot? Pride's a horrible thing, folks. It's a horrible thing. God is able to bring the proud down. He's able to abase the proud. Be careful that you don't let yourself get caught up with what God is using you and blessing you to do. And don't come to the place where you feel like, because I'm doing these things, you're holy. No, no. It all comes from Him. And when you count that between what he paid for us to belong to him, we can never return to him what will make us even with him. Understand? No reward, no honor, no recognition, no esteem down here. No problem. Because up there, Once again, thank you for listening to this episode of Maverick Messages. 